This message was presented through a partnership between GYC and GYC Europe at the 2012 conference in Linz, Austria. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Yeah, good to see you all. People are still coming, that's nice. Maybe I give a short introduction. Who am I? My name is Chris Berger. I'm a German, but I had the privilege to work in Italy. Così tutti quelli che parlano italiano, benvenuti. Because for a German, for a leadership, in the area of leadership, it's very important to, to go to Italy. Because German people have some strengths, but also some weaknesses. And in my limited experience, it is good to get to know other cultural environments, to get to know the church on a worldwide level. We can learn from each other, and I'm, I was very thankful for this time. I hope my heart is a little bit more outside now than before. It was a really good time in, in uh, Italy. And the last years we spent in Thailand at our university, Asia Pacific International. And since nearly one year now, we are at Bogenhofen College. This is the school here in Austria, not so far from Linz, one hour drive. If you have a chance to visit, welcome. So therefore, leadership for me is an important task, was since I started my ministry as pastor around 20 years ago. And you discussed already several things about leadership. So I'm eager to learn. Could you help me a little bit? I was not here. I attended only the last session here, the question and answer session. And still, I also want to add something. But maybe you can give me a short overview. This is the best way for you to, re to memorize what you learned. If you could express it very, I mean, in, in one sentence, something you learned. Is this possible? Now, in the three workshops on leadership, based on leadership, thank you so much, based on leadership. Benny, one sentence? Um, one sentence to every of the three. Um, leadership is more a relationship, not um, a position, or um, it doesn't depend on your talents, but on your um, uh, relationship to Christ. Leadership is more a relationship to Christ, not so much a position. A good sentence. It's not so easy to make short sentences. Huh? Thank you so much, Benny. Someone else want to try? Yes. I guess this smile means yes. Dedication is the primary, uh, of primary importance over talent or skill. Dedication, much more than talent or skill. Yeah, I heard this also in the last session in the morning time. Say more often not as yes. Oh, do you agree with this? Yes? Are you sure? I mean, imagine you have a leader and you ask, mm, my youth leader, my pastor, my conference director, and he says, no, 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 yes. I mean, this would be the application, what Joel is saying. Say more no than yes. Really? Would we be happy with such leaders? Sometimes we are unhappy of leaders because we experience this. They have no time. They don't say yes. They say no. 
but sometimes they say no because you shouldn't do it or something, not just because you're asking about something. Was this your implication? I, I mean, like, uh, sometimes leaders have to say no to somebody because they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, not always when they're asking for to get to do something. Did you get the point? <laughs> this is one aspect. So there are more aspects to say now. I thought so. Okay, maybe a last one. Thank you so much. So means to say how often no? Three times or four times? And maybe then one time yes. Okay. Oh, that's not so easy. Being responsible, how to organize your time, your schedule time. It's very good to organize well. Are you German? No. Mexican. Muy bien. Muy bien. So see, being organized with your time. Okay. So can we repeat this? It's about being, not doing. Being, not doing. So we heard it's about relationship. Specifically, Benny emphasized to Jesus. Benny said maybe this is closely linked. It's more in being, not doing. Jolt told us you have to say more no than yes. Um, my Mexican sister, can you give me my, your name? Franceli. Said... You have to be time organized. Did I miss someone? Dedic oh, sorry. Dedication, not so much talent. It's dedication. Still someone want to say something? Yes. And that's, that's good. I think it's also about to inspire someone. It's also about to inspire someone. Yes. This morning there was a question from someone sitting here. He asked, so if I come to my local church and I want to implement something, and they say no, how can I motivate them? Do you remember if you were here? Remember the question? He, was, he was sitting here somewhere. Ah, this is a question which is very much on my heart. And in the afternoon, I want to reflect specifically to find answers to this question. So if you are not interested in this, maybe that's the last time <laughs> that you can move to a better place. But I want to focus in this workshop really on this question. How can I, we could, we could say in English, empower others? How can I motivate? Maybe this is a part of it. How can I do something which is really, I believe, in the focus in the Bible? And um, maybe we can open the Bible together. I have only my German here. I did not found my English Bible this morning. Maybe someone can read for me? It's okay. It's okay. Um, where do we have an important text in the Bible which links to equip, to equip others, to train others, to motivate others? Maybe you have something in mind. Yes, yes. The sending out of the disciples, yes, very good. Luke 12. Thank you so much. Other, other ideas? I was thinking about Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And would someone be so kind to read this for us? 
in a good English, not with my pronunciation, which is not so good. My daughters are laughing at me. Would you be so kind? Someone would like to read the two verses? You need a mic. You need a mic. Yeah, yeah. There is a registration, so we need to. And he himself gives some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the, of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Thank you so much. So we could stick a little bit, actually, for the whole time. I, I, mean, I believe this is the basic verse. So Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. So there are some called as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, teachers. And then verse 12. What, is, what, is, what does it say here? Damit, sie die Heiligen, damit die Heiligen zugerüstet werden. So this means to equip do we have other translations? What is the meaning of equip here? I mean, other translations which we all can understand. So please, not Hungarian. That's a nice language, but who, who understands it? Do we, have some other, do we have some other words in your Bible? To prepare. Thank you so much. To prepare. Who? To prepare, to equip who? The saints. The saints. Who are the saints? God's people. You are the saints? Gabriel is saying amen. You could also understand this as a question. Are you the saints? Yes, yes you're coming. Good. The saints for what? Work. Work. A service. Eh? And in this way, the body of Christ, the church, will be edified. So help me a little bit. We said to equip. And my sister here told me that we can also say to prepare. Do we have other? To be perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's very high level. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's the Mexican translation. Eh? Perfectioné. Yeah. This doesn't sound from, from Mexico. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry? Improvement. Improvement. So I want to focus with you on this aspect in this afternoon. How can we equip, prepare? What other words did we add? Improve, motivate, teach, develop others. And I believe this is very important. For me, this is one of the key questions in my ministry. How can we do this? And during the morning session, um, you ask already a question in this area. I remember specifically the brother who was sitting here, but also others. And we heard good answers already. Can someone remember what kind of answers did we get? I mean, this example, we have the GYC in Linz. That's great. We are coming back to our local church. We are full of energy, power, motivated. We want to share this with others. We want to start something. And then all the others say, no, they're not saying amen. That's the problem, actually. That's the problem. They're not saying amen. Because there are several reasons why. The church is not motivated. The youth group is not motivated. Maybe there even exists a youth group. What to do? What to do? And this morning we heard, I heard at least two answers about this. Can you remember? Benny, maybe one. I would say be faithful, mm -hmm. going on, doing the work, 
I mean, for sure we're talking about, first of all, the 12. How can Jesus, who had the most important mission in the whole universe, focus on so a small group of people? How could he do this? Do you remember in the life of Jesus some challenges with this approach? You remember some challenges? For example... We have to ask the question again. I mean, do you remember some challenges in the ministry of Jesus where he was focusing only on a very small group of people? Was there a challenge for him? Yes? Help me a little bit. What kind of challenge? Yes, inside, inside this small group there was a challenge. Who is the greatest among us? So even if the group is small, this challenge can happen. Yes, other challenges. To pick the right person. Yes, for sure. To pick the right person. Different personalities. And this morning I heard also it's good, it's balanced that different personalities come together. I have a stick. It's not possible, Gabriela. Uh, I don't broke my computer. Anyway, let me, let me read you something. I mean, this is linked to your point to pick the right people. <coughs> I have hopefully I find a nice quotation here for you. Yeah. Peter was emotionally unstable and tended to explosions of anger. Andrew had no leadership quality at all. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, put their personal interest over the interest of the enterprise. And Thomas demonstrated a skeptical approach and would drag the moral of the others down. We see it also as our duty to point out that Matthew was on the blacklist of economic crime in Jerusalem. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, apparently had radical ambitions and they were at high risk of burnout. One of the candidates made a really good impression. Hey, he was a powerful and gifted man. Therefore, the talent spotting agency highly recommended Judas for a high leadership position in the enterprise. That's an interesting quote. Huh? So the question was, how can we select? I mean, what are the qualities? And it seems if we use certain qualities, we can come to wrong conclusions. I mean, this interesting uh, quotation said, all the disciples had big difficulties, but only Judas was the perfect candidate. So in reality, it was different. The quote is... Oh, maybe I can give it afterwards to you. By the way, I have also some material. I will, I will come back to, to this. So there's, there's also some material. So then, yeah, we wait, wait still a little bit. So the question is, what was the principle? I mean, our, pr our first principle we, we, we developed together, an empowering leader... How could we put this principle we are talking about a little bit now? 
Can you help me? Select people. Small group of people. Let's, let's have this a little bit. Could this be an empowering leader selects a small group of people? At least Jesus did this. And it was challenging for him. Why? Because, I mean, he had so much things to do. So many people were always around him. Sometimes he had to took his disciples to bring them on the other side to have a little bit silent moments with them. It's not so easy. But let's reflect a little bit on this. An empowering leader selects a small group of people. So directly pops up the question, who should we select? This was your question. Huh? And we've, we saw that's not so easy. Because we see, what, 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 what can we see from Jesus in his selection? This was part of his leadership, for sure. Do you remember something in this election of the disciples, what Jesus did? He prayed the whole night. Something more? Benny? Dedication to the cause. This was your point. Huh? You, you were saying at the beginning. Can you help us to repeat it? Re repetition is good. Dedication is more important than talent. Talent and? Skill. Did the disciples at the beginning had a lot of talent and skills? Did they have dedication? It seems Jesus was looking about this. Huh? He was not choosing someone of the people who had a lot of skills, maybe, who had a lot of experience, who had knowledge, who felt, oh, we know it. He chose simple people with dedication, not easy with the relation, I mean, with the personality. And I believe this is, this is not an easy step. But I believe it is true. An empowering leader, someone who is doing this here, needs to select why. Because you cannot apply this with hundreds of people. You cannot. You need to select. And this is, this is not easy. We should come back to this point. Let me see, not to miss anything important. That's, that's maybe one of the toughest, I would say, from my limited experience, to say mm, an empowering leader selects potential leaders or a small group. Yeah, let's come back later on. But this is one important principle in my perspective, too. Do you feel there are some other basic principles to equip others, to motivate others, your youth group maybe, your church, apart from selection? Yes. When do you make experiences together? Okay, so maybe you can go to Albania to a mission trip. And this will bring you together. You will eat together, sleep together, work together, cry together, laugh. Yeah. So some activity which brings you together. And what is, what is happening then? What is the, the positive outcome of this time together? Knowing them. Friendship. Yes. Could it be that an empowering leader invests in friendship or in relationship. And before you say yes, be aware of the consequences. Because, I mean, this needs time. And I'm coming back to the, to the, to the first thought of Benny. He said, leadership means relationship to Jesus. And I think we can add here also to other people. 
And if someone is only a leader and he is doing things, he's, there's no relationship anymore, I don't think he can really be a leader. So I believe this aspect of relationship is very important. Question. The biggest leader was Jesus. Did Jesus invest time for relationship? How could he do this? I mean, he had so many things to do. How, he could, how was it possible to have time to invest in relationship? But didn't he have many things to do? Oh, is it so easy? Just take the time. Just take the time. Yeah, here were some answers. But taking the time for this proves that this was really an important part to do. It was important for him. It was a kind of... Someone want to add something? Yes. He was listening to the problems. Listening to their problems. Do you remember some moments in the life of Jesus and the disciples? They were coming together. Jesus was listening to their problems, to their sorrows, to their situations where they lost their motivation maybe, lost their task. Yes. But, but wait a minute. This means if we really want to, to fulfill this mission here, to equip others, this is not possible. If we come, have a series of lectures... And then we say, now you are equipped, my brother, my sisters, bye-bye. That's not possible. I believe it is so. It is not possible. It is only possible based on a relationship. And the relationship costs time. And I cannot have a relationship with all of you. I cannot. Or? It's not possible. So we need to limit also. Jesus had it with the disciples, for sure, with Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and so on. But we have to limit ourselves. We have to say no sometimes. I cannot have a relationship with you and with you and with you, but maybe with you. I just wanted to say that uh, he spent a very special time with them. He said no and he went to the other side of the sea to spend time with the 12 disciples and it was a very special time then. So means he said no. He had to say no. If not, this time which you mentioned, this quality time, would not have been possible. So I believe it's the same in leadership today. We should not wait that this time will pop up. I believe this is similar like with our private time with Jesus. We have to set a priority. We have to, to say this is priority. If we don't fight for this time, we will not have the time. There is always something happen. I mean, if you are in leadership, if you are in the ministry, and this is one of the challenges, I would say. But if we understand for Jesus, in order to fulfill this mission as a leader, we need to develop relationships. Very important. So there are two. That's nice. I'm happy that we have some interaction. So when I was saying um, he, he, he took time to listen to problems, um, in fact, he, de um, he doesn't lose time because he knew in advance the problems by the spirit which, ha which have uh, dwell in him. Uh, it's quality time. So he, he, don't, he don't lose time because in, he knew in advance. Leaders, listen. 
But this means sometimes you have still 20 emails in front of you. You have still an agenda to prepare for the next meeting. I'm talking about the reality. You have still, hmm, now it's become critical, maybe you're not married yet, but I am. Your wife is calling at the phone or your daughter saying, Daddy, since one hour we are waiting. And then someone from your key leaders are coming into your room. That's often reality, isn't it? And then maybe it's not always to say, okay, now I have time for you. But maybe next day, in the evening. Priorities. But if you say three times, oh, sorry, I forgot about you, maybe then it's too late. And we'll discuss also about this. But there was still some... Yeah. Maybe it's good not to know because then we feel we need him. If I know always, oh, that's the right thing to do and then do this, do that, then we are dangerous leaders because we are independent. So therefore, for sure, we will not have all the answers, but we are growing together. It's not easy. But two principles. Very good. An empowering leader... Help me a little bit. What did we found so far? Select. Select a small group. We will discuss it a little bit further. And second, an empowering leader? <coughs> Invest in relationship and friendship. Very good. Some more basic principles. Basic. To equip others. It needs to be an example. So he wants... Uh, them to become like him, basically. Oh, but this sounds dangerous. I thought in my leadership, I have the, op I mean, I have the, the duty that they will become like Jesus, not like Chris or Gabriele. I mean, I mean that was Jesus' uh, aim. <laughs> okay. So, but uh, let's say, if, uh, like, like Paul said, be my imitators, but it was, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So by imitating Paul, the believers were imitating Christ. That's what I meant. That's biblically correct. Do you have an idea how often the Apostle Paul is mentioning this? Be my imitator. I was a good example for you. Follow my example. Follow my footsteps. I don't know how often, but often. <laughs> really often. I would guess ten times at least in his letters. So that's an important part. So be in a certain way an example. Even if I'm not Christ... Even if I'm a sinful leader, I have shortcomings. I have maybe strengths, but I have also weaknesses, for sure. Therefore, also, the spirit of prophecy is saying, and I learned this only last year, I was not aware of it, it is good that leaders move from time to time. And there are several reasons for it. And one reason is because we are all not completely balanced. We have good part, but we have also areas where we still can grow. But we are examples. So I want to dig a little bit. I will, I will come to you, but to find the basic principle. How can we be good examples? I mean, Sarah has an answer for us. I think we need integrity. That's very important. Yeah, we need integrity. If you feel we need integrity, means maybe you experience sometimes we lost integrity. Can this, can this be? Maybe this is another big challenge for leaders, to lose integrity. So what, what is the meaning of this, to lose integrity? Could you help me a little bit? What, is, what, what does it mean, to lose integrity? I'm comp compromising? 
only to make it clear, I mean, we are all not with English mother language here. To lose integrity means, sorry? Not being authentic. Okay. Yep. In a negative sense or in a positive? Yeah. Not being authentic, in my perspective, also saying something but doing something else a little bit. So that's, that's not easy because to be an example is a high level. I mean, how can we be always a good example? It's difficult. So, what is the basic strategy to be a good example? What would you say? If you are leaders, you are an example. You cannot avoid it. So how is, what is the strategy to be a good example? Uh, what we have discussed here before, it's to be in a spiritual relationship with Christ. To be in a relationship with Christ is the way to, to being a good example. I would agree. We don't believe we are good examples. We believe through the relationship, Jesus works on us. And he's changing our character step by step. Means an empowering leader needs to have this relationship. And I don't want to talk a lot of it because I have the impression you talked already about it. And that's good. I would say this is principle number one. An empowering leader has to be connected to God, to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how you put it. Principle number one. An empowering leader is connected with the Holy Spirit. Only then this is possible. Yeah, I would say it in easy words. To be a good leader, you have to be a good follower, a follower of Christ. Thank you so much. It's good to have it in easy words. And that's, that's good. Okay, you need to be a follower. Okay, so let's repeat. I guess we have already three important principles. I will still keep a little bit with my empowering leadership thing. Yeah? Don't... don't uh, so an empowering leader is connected to the Holy Spirit. An empowering leader selects a small group. An empowering leader invests in relationship. Yeah? So there are some more ideas. What about the vision of the leader? I don't think I heard anything about this. Okay, so it means something is still missing. So an empowering leader needs to have also a vision. Do you agree? Of course. Where are you leading people to? If not, you're blindly... Yes, I agree too. So means an empowering leader needs to have also a vision. Principle four. We need to talk a little bit about vision still. Well, <coughs> the same, I would say, doesn't lose uh, focus of his mission. Yeah. yeah. So a vision helps us not to lose focus of our mission. You have to be passionate. You have to be passionate about what you do. Yeah, there needs to be passion. It cannot be only a, a tradition or a routine. How can we get the passion? Or, if we are connected to Jesus, he can give us the passion. So I would put this under principle number one. Okay. Brothers and sisters, we found some principles. I believe they are important. In order to equip, to fulfill this, we need to be connected to God, to the Holy Spirit, build on leadership, build on relationships, select a small group of people, and have a vision. Something more. 
Improve fellowship. Why do we need to improve? Is the fellowship so weak? Some, sometimes it's weak, yeah? Yeah. How can we improve fellowship? Okay, so means at the end also to spend time together on based on this vision, work together, share together. Exp yeah, I would put this also partly under relationship and partly under vision. Yes. Oh, setting up a timetable. So we need to break down the big vision into smaller steps. If not, ooh, it's really, yep. I would put this also under vision, goal setting, huh? things like this. Let, let's put this, I mean, I would first of all give the whole, the, the bigger picture, and then we can dig a little bit deeper. I hope you agree with me. Let us put this vision and goals, timetable, okay? Question is, do we have the time? Huh? I think a leader needs to involve the group he's working with into decision making, so that his vision or her vision becomes the vision of the whole group. That's an interesting point. So the leader, how did you put it? He needs to involve into decision-making. But I mean, then I'm a weak leader. I mean, as leader, I want to take the decision to involve others in the decision-making process. Who are these others? Who are these? The group. So it means we, we talked about selecting a group, selecting a small and then for sure, then we need to do something with this group. For example, to develop a vision and to decide. There are a lot of things to decide. And Sarah is proposing, and I agree completely with her, we need as empowering leaders, I mean, there's no need to do it. You can say, oh, that's my decision, pull stop. You have to, to accept it or not. But in order to motivate people, if they are part of the process, Listen, you are from Hungary, Hungary, or from Germany. And the church made a decision, the union or the conference or even the church. But you had no idea about it. And then you hear for the first time, vote is this. How do you react? The, the official vote of the church. Uh, when someone coming to you saying this is the vote first you ask but whose vote because I never heard of it okay is this correct I mean it's normal isn't it I mean when we when we are not involved in this process there is a there is a normal reaction maybe to say hmm let, let's see a little bit I mean I never heard about it is this good is this bad hmm, let's be that, that's normal I guess and it's not possible always that everyone is involved in the process but I believe completely what Sarah said it's motivating if the other members, the team members, are involved in the decision-making process. But wait a minute. If we really believe this is good, are there challenges? Because don't only say this is good, this is good. There are also challenges, a lot of challenges in leadership. So if we do this, are there challenges? What kind of challenges? I guess this, do I guess this doesn't mean you have to let uh, everyone take the decision. But um, you have to let them know, them know that a decision is being taken. And also, when you have the decision, 
If they were not part of it, you have to explain them all the reason that led to that decision and also um, try to make a vision upon the results of that decision on the whole, I don't know, organization or church or whatever. So what is, what is important, to have first the vision or to have it afterwards? What is important, to have first the vision or to have it afterwards? What is important, to have first the vision or to have it afterwards? Why is the vision important? Maybe to help that mainly we are going in, in the direction together. We still have to discuss a lot of issues on the, on the way. But therefore, I believe also vision is helpful in this. I mean, to, to say, oh, we are together in this direction. And therefore, vision is, vision is first, I believe. Yep, but this is time-consuming, isn't it? I mean, to discuss, to listen to the things, this costs time. And, and I believe clearly, if we want to follow this advice, and I believe it's a good advice, that decision, we should involve the team members in the decision-making process. It will cost us much more time. It will cost us much more time. We will spend much more time talking, better talking, sometimes emailing, telephone. It will cost us more time. And if we want to do it, we need to be aware it is good invested time. It helps. Mm -hmm. I believe a part with this decision-making process, there is also the, the question of a team. And I want to focus also a little bit on team, and I want to put this as another principle. So an, 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 an empowering leader works with a team. And also in the Bible, I guess we can find this clearly. So let's repeat again a little bit our principles which we found so far. We said an empowering leader is connected to the Holy Spirit. An empowering leader invests in relationship. An empowering leader selects a small group of people. An empowering leader has a vision or develops a vision. And also here I would say what Sarah said is valid also for the vision, isn't it? That you're not saying, oh, that's my vision but that the team is developing a vision together. It's another risk. I mean, can be my vision, but cannot be God's vision. That's correct. Let us discuss this a little bit more. But it seems what we said so far, we need to have this part of vision and this part of goal setting and so on. But we need to have also the part of team. So an empowering leader works with a team, develops a vision, Wow. So, how many principles so far? Five, huh? Five, I believe. Six. Let's repeat again. Connected to the Holy Spirit. An empowering leader invests in relationship. An empowering leader selects a small team. Works in a team. That's for me different. I mean, selects people and works in a team. And develops vision and goals. Yep, is an example I would put under, yeah. So, I mean, you can put this differently. For sure, everyone has his way. For me, this is a little bit, I would put this under. So I guess we have five important principles. I would suggest two more. But let's work with the five from now on. Let me see how, how much time do we have. Okay, let's work with the five. Um, 
an empowering leader is connected with the Holy Spirit. I guess here is really one of the challenges, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I, I believe you developed this already. But nicely put in, 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 in English, I read this somewhere, hooked of doing, forget about being. I will read this again. I believe this is nicely said in English. It's hard to translate, I would say. Hooked of doing, Forget about being. What is the meaning of this? I mean, as leader, for sure, I'm expected to be someone who is doing things, isn't it? Leaders are generally not the people who are sitting in the back and saying, hmm, I have no idea what to do. So they are people who are doing things, realizing things, projects and so on. And that's good. I believe this is part of leadership. But there is a risk. You can be hooked up so much in the doing that you forget of being. means of being with Jesus, of being in Jesus' mission. It's not your mission. It's not our GYC. It's not our youth group, our church planting project. It's His. And we are part of this mission. So we need to spend time that we understand this, that we don't forget we can live, we live with him. He is the leader and we are part of his team. Hooked of doing, forget about being. That's, that's really a risk. At least I would say this from my personal experience very much. And it is good to have helpers if we are too much in the doing that they can say, maybe you have to slow a little bit down. Maybe it's time to say no. That's not easy in leadership. At least this is my experience. Because you are happy to do these things. They are good things. We have so many good things to do. It's not so easy to say no. But it's also important. I believe family is a very good team. Because if you have a wife, if you have children, dedicated wives and children, or husbands, they will tell you it's time to say no. That's good. What I experienced was that um, if you're really involved in things on Sabbath, that you cannot really relax on Sabbath. I'm so glad for the Sundays after to relax from the Sabbaths, really. And uh, you run around and organize things that I experienced that even though you miss out of being a, bro um, a sister or a brother for the others, the relationships, because I run around, he ha I have to tell him something for the announcement. I have to tell them, you know, and you run around and and people are um, bothered after because they say, you changed, you you ignorant, you don't say hi to me anymore, nothing. And you have so much burden on your shoulders that you forget your brother or sister to the others and have relationships to brothers and sisters. And the Sabbaths are so busy that I'm happy for the Sunday. Well, that was an interesting statement. But I'm very happy that we are close to reality here, close to ministry. We're not in theory. And I believe what you said, everyone who is in leadership can understand what you said. I mean, maybe we are not going to the theological implication of what you said, but yeah, maybe sometimes we have also to ask, maybe there's too much on the Sabbath day. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm also open here. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I, I, I want to tell you, I'm, I have now often the situation that for the Lord's Supper, I'm not the leading pastor anymore. 
because I'm a, a president of the school, so I'm not the pastor in the church. It is nice for me to participate in the Lord's Supper without leading out. It's nice. And I'm happy. Now is the time. I mean, I, many years I did it different. So I guess there are also times and times there are different parts of our life. But we have to, to keep attention that um, we are not coming to the point hooked of doing, forget about being. And I tell you, because there are here and there really tragic situations. I'm talking about dedicated youth leaders, youth pastors, presidents. They're coming to the point where they can go on. I believe also here a team should look after each other. And if I'm a real brother and sister, I guess I can also say to my church leader or personal evangelist leader, I don't know what kind of responsibility you have, or mission leader, I'm so happy that you are here. I mean, you really, maybe it's time, I'm better, maybe can I help you, can I support you? You see, to look after each other. This is also team, I believe. And therefore, Jesus did not call us to be lonely wolves, but to work together, which is not easy sometimes. It's not easy. But to equip the church, this was our basic text here, to equip the church. There is a wonderful passage if we would have more time to talk about personal relationship. You remember our first principles. An empowering leader is connected with the Holy Spirit. Let me at least give you the passage and you could develop it for you that's a wonderful sermon that's a wonderful topic for other leaders for leadership training it's exodus chapter 17 for me one of the most powerful passages in the bible which underlines that there is a risk to be hooked of doing and to forget about being and here we have a leader Apart from Jesus, we could say biblically maybe the leader, the leader in the Old Testament time, Moses. And he's doing something very interesting. And I guess this has to do much with our first principle. An empowering leader is connected to the Holy Spirit. This is um, Exodus 17 from verse 8 onwards. And you remember for sure it is the story where Moses was going up to the mountain with two people. And then the others were fighting and uh, then they had the victory over Amalek. Do you find some of our five principles in this passage? Or should we read the passage? Maybe we should read it. Could someone read this for us in English? Could, could someone read this for us in English? By the way, I directly try to implement what I'm telling. I mean, I don't need to do everything, so we have so many gifted people. Thank you so much. Um, Deuteronomy 17, from verse 8 on. Yeah, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim, and Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out. Men and go f go out, fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the Lord of God and with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed 
And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Continue. Was very nice, thank you. So again, my question: Did you find some of our five principles in this short passage? Teamwork. Where do you? Where did you find teamwork? His handholders, arm okay. holders. So he, he had not enough power to keep the hands up. So he had Aaron and Hur, small team, three people. Yes, teamwork. And maybe it's, it, I mean, this you could develop nicely in the ceremony. I mean, there was really a need. Moses could not do it. There was a need. We need each other. I guess God puts it in this way. Teamwork. Something more? Okay. And by the way, who was Joshua? We don't know too much about who, huh? but Joshua, who was Joshua? Joshua was the one who took over from Moses. Did this start after the death of Moses? And for sure, no, it did not. So he was selected in a certain way before and trained. And I believe this moment was one important training moment for Joshua in his leadership experience. So leadership, uh, sorry, team and selection. Something more from our principles. Relationship, maybe not too much. Good connection with God, huh? I mean, isn't this a, a, a very special uh, story here? The leader is on the mountain. The people are fighting. And um, in the moment where he puts the hands up, they are winning. When it goes down, they are losing. I mean, isn't this one of the most powerful stories? That if a leader has a connection to God, this has an influence of all the others, of the group, of the church. And he's doing this also publicly. They could see them. I mean, they were fighting down in the valley, but Moses was up there. And it seems to me, something is wrong here. That's not true. There's no, nothing wrong in the Bible. But, reflect on verse 13. How does this happen in English? Exodus 17, 13, at the end of the story. Maybe Gabriela can read for us. Uh, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of his word. Joshua defeated Amalek. Is this, is this true? Is this true? By God's grace. Should we add this? By God's grace. For sure. Or also by the spiritual leadership of Moses. If Moses would not have prayed, we see directly what is the consequence. And listen, I believe here is also another important lesson for leaders. And this has to do with our connection. If you do all Sabbath day long, one week after another, your service in the church from morning until evening, you're the first, you open the door, you close the door, and at the end, who gets the credit? 
Someone else. How do you deal with this? Sorry? That's the good way. It humbles you. But I mean, for me, there's an interesting implication here also. Moses is doing the hard work, putting up his hands the whole day. I mean, we're talking about hours here. This was not a 10-minute fight. And at the end, what is the text saying? Joshua defeated Amalek. It's a, it's a nice implication, I would say also. This is something like this. In spiritual leadership, a leader who, has, who is humble hopefully feels, oh, that's okay, that's fine. It's not me. I'm not in the center. It's God's work. But you see, this to humble ourselves, to be humble in situations like this, this is not so easy to be honest, isn't it? We are humans also. And if we work hard, we want to get also our credit, doesn't we? I believe yes. So therefore, principle number one is really, really important. And maybe this passage, we could develop this further on, but maybe this, this passage is, is one example which shows an empowering leader is connected with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's very, very important. And this can humble ourselves. This will humble ourselves, I believe. And if we are humble, we are willing to do other things. I was a minister in a, quite a big church in Germany. I believe it was my most difficult beginning. You know, people are different, youth groups are different, churches are different. You have groups or churches, they are, they are happy, they are motivated. You have situations, they are different. Today I believe it is good to get to know both. Because if I always worked in youth groups where they were motivated, how can I stand you telling me, oh Chris, I'm in a youth group, I mean, they, don't, they want to do nothing. How can I understand you? I believe it is good to, 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 to help us in our leadership development. So this group was not easy. The leaders were not easy. They were critical against me. I could feel it. And there was specifically one church leader. He, there, I mean, I could feel we are, there is a gap between us. I don't know why. I was not aware why, but I, I felt it. Then there was one evening we had a, we had a program. And maybe you, you laugh about me. We were only two, three of us. All the others were, were home, went home already, and we had a lot of work to do still in the church. Staubsauger. How you call Staubsauger in English? Thank you so much. We are a team here. You see this? I'm so happy. Vacuum cleaner. So I put out the vacuum cleaner, and don't laugh about me. I mean, I, I put this out and started to... to, to, vac how, to, to vacuum. That's, that's to clean, thank you. To clean, I mean, the minister was cleaning. For this brother, it was more important than ten ceremonies. He saw me. After a certain moment, I, I was aware. He, he was watching me, what I was doing. He had the impression, with my tie always, I was too, as pastor, to do the cleaning work. Then he saw me. I believe this was the turning point. It was cleaning the floor. No Bible study, no ceremony, no church board meeting. I believe sometimes it's like this. We need to come close. If we are too far, we cannot have impact on each other. We need to come close. And that's a challenge. Because we cannot be close to all. And therefore, we need to select. So I guess this was a little bit some, some ideas for 
an empowering leader is connected with the Holy Spirit. And if this is true, then I believe an empowering leader can develop a vision. And here I start with vision, but from my side. And I believe there is a biblical vision, a vision that every, every member is a disciple. Every member is a disciple. I believe this is a big vision. This is really, if this would happen, this, wow, this would be, every member is a disciple. And to start my ministry, my, my doing in this way, to help that the other become active followers. So means I need to ask you to help me in the seminar, to help me in my translation, to help me in the read. This, these are small things. I believe we should implement this much more in reality. Let's come to the second. An empowering leader builds strong relationships. How can we build relationships? Maybe you, you can... We should share a little. How can we build up relationships? If we feel we need to, sh to build up relationships. In one leadership book you can read, they don't. Maybe, maybe you have some answers. I need to read this. I don't have this. How can we build up strong relationships? This is the question. To play with each other. To play. For example, to, to play soccer or something. <laughs> to have time. You really mean this? Uh, what was your question? How can we build up strong relationships? We can build up strong relationships. Yes, of course, I mean this. I agree with you. <laughs> How often do you, did you play soccer with me? With you? I want to have a close relationship with you. How often did you play soccer with me? With you, never. We should play soccer together. Yeah, amen. <laughs> you see? Now we are at the point. We are talking about things. But are we implementing this? And again, I want to be very honest. As leaders, that's not easy. Only if we believe this should be a priority, we will implement it. If not, we will only talk about it. If we believe really this time spent together is worth to do, maybe not with thousand people, but with the with this smaller team, then we will do it, only then. Show that you care, you know, take time and ask, ask your people, you know, how are they doing? Take time to, to and take an interest in their lives, beyond the office work, beyond the, what you're working together, just show interest in their lives. Well, yeah, to add <laughs> something, what I think, and out of my experience, relationships are always built upon time. Sorry? Relationships are always built upon time. So, and then we have directly the challenge. Relationships are built upon time. We cannot build up relationships without time. We all don't have time. You agree? We all don't have time. You agree? Amen. So we will never play soccer together. And don't misunderstand me, I'm not a great soccer player. But I guess we understood what Joel is meaning. I mean, to do something out of the church. Maybe I know you since 20 years in the Sabbath school class. I know exactly what kind of answer you will give to my question. You know this kind of situation? This is not enough for church, I would say. We need to build up relationships. Maybe on the soccer field, maybe in the youth and mission team. Eat together. Eat together. Yeah, that's good. That's important. 
wasn't, wasn't this the accusation against Jesus? He was eating? Yes? I learned many, much from my Italian friends. They have always spaghetti, so it's good to eat spaghetti. Not only, but... Yeah, you see, I, I, I cannot under, underline this too, too strongly. If we don't willing to spend this quality time together, relationship will not develop. And now comes the point. You said this was good invested time from Jesus. Because what is the reality? If we know each other, if I know, for example, a little bit the life story of Hannes, I don't know. We spent several hours in classroom together. But we don't know each other, really. I don't, I forget about your names already, that's bad. Or my two friends from Albania. If we would spend more time together and know a little bit where the other is coming from, what kind of experience did he had? I will tell you a short story. Is the time already up? No, huh? No. In Germany, when I, when I began as a minister, this was 80, no, 92. We had many people from the eastern countries coming to Germany. Many people. Specifically from Russia. But also from Romania, from other people. Nice members. And I had the privilege, when I started my leadership, it began in Asia, close to the Chinese border. And I had a very close friend, mentor, boss. And we slept for six weeks together in one room. Ate together, studied together. Wonderful. Until today, I would say, he had the strongest impact in my leadership. But this was not the story. What kind of story I wanted to tell you? Yeah. <laughs> this was in Kyrgyzstan. And many people, maybe you know a little bit about the history. Many years ago, Germans went to Romania, went to Russia to develop the country there. And then they remained there. But many of them, I mean, still German. They were speaking the German language. They had German culture. I had no idea about this, I have to confess. Then I met them there in Asia, close to the Chinese port. Very interesting. And then months later, when, I, when we went back home, many of them came to Germany. I mean, the Russian curtain was not there anymore. Many went to the West, to Germany. And then in the church, we had an interesting situation. It was a small German church, my first church, 30 members. 30 children. And then we had these members coming from the east. And for the members inside the church, they were Russian. Because they came from Russia. Because they spoke better Russian than German. I mean, they spoke the German from 500 years ago. They have still words in the language I never heard. Very old type of language. And then they wanted also to sing some songs in Russian because, I mean, they lived their whole life in Russia. And then I heard the German member saying to these members, Oh, you are Russian. And I, I like Russian. I love Russian. Don't misunderstand me. But for these members, they had suffered since generations because they were German in this area of the world. They had suffered. Some of them had to go to the working camps. They had disadvantages in their study life. And now they are coming home in the church and the brethren are telling them you are Russian could you understand their feeling I could a little bit why because I had this experience in Kyrgyzstan 
I said to myself, how, 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 how are they feeling now? They are coming home, they are in the church, and in the church they are hearing this, this is not good. All the others had no idea. They felt that's correct. But it, it hurts them. And maybe you heard about churches where people from other countries are coming in and we have a lot of fight and problems and sometimes churches are splitting. I guess David said in some of the evening presentations in the United States we have black and Spanish. And I felt because I knew a little bit about them. The story, their background, it helped me to build up relationship. And I'm thankful to God. I believe this is a good time investment, maybe the best we can do. We cannot do it with everyone, but with this limited time, with this limited group, I believe this is very important. Let me give you maybe a quotation here at this point. Leadership is relationship. Someone is saying, I believe he's right. And another statement, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You heard this before. I believe someone also said this here. You have to care. You have to... I, I will read this again. I mean, this is, this is nicely said and it's not so easy to implement. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And here we are again in the center of challenges in leadership. Because to care, to build up relationship, we need time. Therefore, it has to be a priority, I believe. And we have to look where we have time consuming other things. Maybe there is no need to do them. That's sometimes, sometimes important. That's a nice saying. I cannot translate this nicely in English. In German it says... Das Gute ist der größte Feind des Besten. All the good things are the strongest enemy to the best. And that's the challenge, I would say, in spiritual leadership. There are many good things to do. I mean, we could develop a website of the church. Wonderful. We could spend one week, day and night. But is this the best thing to do for me? As pastor, I would say no. Maybe I'm a computer specialist and it's my gift. Yes, maybe. But you see, that's, it's hard. It's, it's hard in spiritual leadership to say, I need to understand clearly. No, no. Jesus puts this better. Matthew 10. Matthew 10. That's an important chapter, by the way. You remember, Matthew is the gospel where we have the big sermons of Jesus. This is, this is one of the specific characteristics of Matthew. And in Matthew 10, we have the sermon linked to mission. So this should be really an important one for us. And uh, I only want to focus on one statement here. Um, Matthew 10, verse 5. So unfortunately not linked to the message, but to one principle, I believe, we were dealing with. Matthew 10, verse 5. Someone could read this for us? Matthew 10, verse 5. Thank you so much. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into the city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not. Thank you so much. Something familiar in this word of Jesus? Go 
Can you repeat? Don't go. Don't go. Uh, isn't this surprising? I mean, what is the situation here? Jesus is sending out a disciple, I guess for the first time, to go to mission. And when he started his sermon, his outreach sermon, his motivational, spe motivational speech, maybe that's English, I'm not so sure, he's starting with what? Did you ever realize this? We could read this also in a different way. We could read, oh, I have the German only, that's bad, but... This 12, Jesus sent out and told them, don't go on the way to the heathen and don't go into the city of Samaria. This reminds me of the statement Jolt mentioned. In leadership, it's important to say no, 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 but also yes. <laughs> but Jesus, at the beginning here, is saying to the disciples, don't go to this place, don't go to this place. Why? And I believe if we really want to focus on the priorities, for example, on relationship with my close team members, I can only implement this in spiritual leadership if I clearly have also in mind what is not my duty, my task, where I have to say no. Only when I say no to certain things, I will have time for the important things. And God will help us to have wisdom when to say no and when to say yes. I believe this is really an important but not easy principle. And we are coming back to the example. Somebody said we need to be examples. If I start with too many no's at the beginning of a relationship, that's, I would say that's not wise. That's not wise. When you enter into leadership, into a youth group, and you are saying in the first program, I'm the new youth leader, I'm happy to work with you, um, on Fridays, on Sundays, I'm not available. No, I would say this is not wise. But if they get to know you, if they see also your life example, maybe there comes a moment, there comes a time when you, when you have to say, look, I, I, need, I need the Friday or the Sunday or maybe the first Sunday in the month or whatever. It's, it's, it makes a difference when, when you say this. When is the Kairos? to say it, the right moment. But also Jesus, I believe, is saying this here clearly, we need to have priorities and only if we say no, we can develop priorities. If not, we will have always more to do and this is not, not the way. But this statement, people only, 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 only are interested if, if you care for them. I believe in my experience, Italy, Thailand, Germany, Austria, Russia, this is this is worldwide the case. To come close to people, to spend time with them, to invest in friendship, this is very important. Okay, let's see. Jesus did this for sure. I mean, he invested in his disciples. There's no question. I think no need to discuss this. Um, and I guess one of the important outcomes is trust. If we have strong relationships, we trust each other. And it seems to me in a, in a team like GYC or your youth group, if, there is a, if, if trust is there as outcome of the relationship, then it's, it's wonderful to work together if we trust each other. 
if we don't have question mark, if we're not suspicious about each other. That's, that's very important. So therefore, let me highlight a little bit in this principle of relationship trust. How can we develop a trustful relationship? Being patient. Help me a little bit to, to get some points together. Trustful relationship, being patient. Consistency. I know you will, will be consistent in this. I can trust you. Yep, very important, I believe. Integrity again. We had this before, linked to personal example. Yes. Honesty. To be honest. Yes, I believe so too. Huh? Yep. Yep. Patient, yeah. We had already, yeah, I, I believe, yeah. Giving responsibilities also to the others. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, we could also ask the question, how can we destroy trust? And if we would turn all what you said in a negative way, I, I would feel we have the answers. Specifically also to keep things which were told me, communicated to me, with me. And not to talk, to gossip. I believe there's a little bit challenging in our church sometimes. It's important also, to, because trust is really something very precious. Okay, maybe... For relationship, we should go on to the next, is my feeling. <coughs> However, let me tell you one thing more. After the first year of my ministry as pastor, I was called to the president's office. And this was for me a challenging moment, because the president was really a respected man for me, 100%. He was an example, he was an authority, and... You know, there's the feedback of the churches and so on. I was sitting in front of his desk. He was heading all the reports. And then he was talking to me how the first year went on, my internship. Yeah, so far so good. And then in the middle of the discussion, and I will never forget this. This has to do for me with trust. What kind of motivation is it to have a trustful relationship? Then he picked up the phone without telling me something. And he was calling someone. I was surprised. And then he was dialing, it was a long distance call, very long number. And then he started to talk in English. This was in Germany, and he phoned to Australia. There was an evangelist, Peter Josite, I don't know if you, if you know him, very dedicated man. He was a German, but he went there. And then my conference president told him, said, look, I have a gifted young pastor sitting here in front of me. I know you're going to Russia for an evangelistic campaign. Would you have a place for him? I would send him. I tell you, I will never forget this moment. The strongest gift, the strongest motivation this conference president could give to a young pastor like me was doing something like this. He trusted me. He cared for me. I will never forget this in my life. And I believe this shaped my leadership strongly. It was a wise leader. It was the best investment he could do. <coughs> Trustful relationship. I can trust you. I believe this is the ground floor 
for empowering leadership. Not easy. Takes time. We talked about this. Okay. Let's come to what was our third principle? Yeah, selection. So we had the connection to God, we had relationship selection. I will start with a question to you. There is a farmer, <clears throat> one of my favorite stories. I don't know if you know the story already, but patient. There's a farmer and he has three fields. You have to be, I mean, you have to listen carefully now because at the end you have to answer all of you. There's a farmer who has three fields and he has different fruit trees on these three fields. This farmer has also workers. 30 workers he has. Now the situation is, in one field, the fruit is ripe to harvest. In the other two fields, the fruit is not yet ripe to harvest. Maybe it will come, but at this point, not. So the question to you is, as a wise leader, how should the farmer divide his 30 workers in this three fields? Did you understand the problem? Should I repeat it, or are you reflecting on it? So one farmer, 30 workers, three fields. In one field, the fruit is ripe. In the other two fields, the fruit is not ripe. As a wise leader, as a smart leader, how should he divide his 30 workers? Who could help? Yes. Help me again. I did not understand clearly. Okay, you mean send workers who know what is the right fruit to pick up the right one. All the 30 workers know what is the right fruit and what is not the right fruit yet. All of them know. All of the 30 workers know. I mean, they are specialists in fruit area. Okay, to clarify this. The question is, how should he divide? Uh, I was thinking sending all of them to one, but uh, maybe the other two need some kind of keeping, so maybe send one to each of those okay. two and 28 to the one to have it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like in a parable. You know, in a biblical parable, generally there is only one point of, one, one focus point, not too many points. You remember when Jesus was telling the story about Lazarus and uh, burning, and he has one main point. If we lose to look at this main point, we are coming in troubles. So often with stories, it's like this. I cannot tell too much about what you mentioned, but at least you make a proposal. You are saying 28 in the field where the fruit is ripe and one in each of the other fields. Is this correct? Okay, this is one, one suggestion. Let's hear. Do we have better options? I should keep it by 10. 10, 10, 10. Yes? Okay, that's option number two. Uh, I will send less uh, workers in, uh, on the, um, the ripe fruit. So the time he, he will uh, pick the, um, the food, the other will be uh, ready. Okay. To repeat, you, will, you would send less workers in the field where is the ripe fruit. So in order that when the fruit is ripe in the other fields, the workers are already there. 
and take all the fruit at the same time. Okay, I mean, I don't know how long it will take that the fruit will become ripe in the other field. So don't... It's a simple story. Let us, let us deal simple with it, okay? Sorry, I have only simple story. Since nobody suggested it, I would send the 30 to the ripe field. And ah, finally! Amen, I'm hearing amen, yes. What's your name? Christian. Christian, that's a good name, that's a good option. Thank you so much. Okay, some... Okay, maybe these are the options so far. Okay, I will repeat for you. So Christian finally brought out the suggestion, 30 people in the, in the field where everything is ripe. Then we had less in the ripe field, but more in the other two, so in order that they can collect all the fruit together. Then we had 10, 10, 10. Then we had 28 in the ripe and one on each other. These are the five options, huh? We have more? No, I guess that's okay. So let's start with Christian's option. 30 in the ripe field. Can I, you, oh, you have only one choice, so make up your mind. Eh? So who believes this is the best option? Yeah, you're convinced. Okay, this was a lot. So then we had, which option did we have? 10, 10, 10. You're not for your option? Okay, at least you should. I mean, if not this weak leadership, you have to give the example. Huh? Yeah, that's, that's nice. Okay, then we had the option more in the, in the fields where the fruit is not yet ripe, so they can collect all together. Can I see your hands? Yeah, now, you see, now as a leader, you have to... <laughs> that's leadership also. Huh? Okay, and then my brother in the back, 28, 2, 2, 1, 1. Okay. Did we have everything? Okay. I can tell you the answer which someone gave in a book. By the way, I put a lot of things together here. I wrote a small booklet empowering the saints. They put a lot of material together. And you can have a copy if you like. He is saying 28 1 1. <laughs> So the first was, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a farmer, so I cannot say. I mean, I can give you his reasoning why. He is saying, as a smart leader, for sure, you have to send your workers where the fruit is ripe. There is the harvest. But at least send one worker in the other two fields, and they have only one task. As soon as the fruit is ripe in these fields, they have to communicate with the leader. Because as a smart leader, he needs to change his strategy to adapt. So I don't know if you agree with the author. I only wanted to give you his feedback. And I believe that's not bad what he's saying. By the way, I'm in preparation for the courses on the theological seminary next, next school year. So I read uh, from Ellen White Evangelism this week completely. A good book. She mentioned several times, we have to adapt to people and to situations. We should not believe to do one approach in all the situations. This is not wise. And I believe some kind of idea is in this little story. However, I want to come back also to your proposal, 10-10-10. My feeling is, often as church, 
we are implementing exactly this. We are implementing 10, 10, 10. And what is the reason behind? You don't want to neglect anything. You don't want to neglect anything. That's a strong reason. Because if you're talking about districts, about pastors, every district should have one pastor. Yeah, we, ca um, we can um, accelerate the, the um, process that the fruits become um, good. Yes. Yes, you're a smart man. Yeah, that's correct. That's co we can do this. We should do it even. But let me focus still a little bit on the 10-10-10. If this is true that we should do it 28-1-1, and I believe the principle is correct, the principle has to do with our principle to select people. What kind of people should we select? The faithful ones, the ripe ones, or the potential ones, what we said before. In your, and now, now listen, 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 please. In, in your situation, maybe you have a youth group or you're a church member, a church leader. You want to come back and to do something with others for the Lord, to equip them. Where are the right people? The receptive, the potential, the one who are... You gave us an important principle, which was the... Not the gifted ones, not the ones with the skills, but... Dedicated dedicated how can I find the dedicated ones or in other words to choose to choose the right people actually when I reflected on this principle I have to confess from my limited experience often it was not me that chose the people most of the time it was not me and I felt that's good most of the time I believe God guided it in a way also that certain people came together. I remember during my time when I was in Italy, I reflected on this principle and said, where, where did this become reality in my life? I was a pastor in the northern part of Milano and there was a, a very dedicated man. He was not too many skills, but dedication was there. And normally, as a minister, I would not have spent a lot of time with him because he was a baptized member, he was okay. But then something happened. He played soccer. And he had problems with his knees. So he could not work for, I don't know, six months, eight months. Uh, not months, weeks. Two, three weeks, two, three months. And during this time, I felt I have to visit him. It was not, he was a young man, it was not easy. He was working in construction work. I visited him. And because of his situation and because of his growing relationship, we spent regular time together. Today, when I look back, I believe this was maybe, in my experience, one of the first people where I would implement this selection without knowing it. I believe God guided it in a way. And we spent quality time together. And both developed relationship, trust, but also equipment, instruction. And it seems to me often it's like this. It's not that we are called to be the great selector, but also to be open. God is bringing us together with people. He's leading us in certain situations. To be willing also to, to work intensively with some people. Maybe that's... But it should be the receptive, the open. 
and I don't know your situation in your church and your youth group, <clears throat> but generally speaking, who are generally the open people in the church? Because, you know, sometimes we work, we spend a lot of time, and maybe it was not wise with whom we spend it. If you have some experience in evangelism, you will know there are always people that try to block you. After the service is over, they are coming directly, and you have no time to talk with these, or with her, or with him. And, but you need to do it. That's, that's sometimes not so easy. This is my experience. I mean... So in the church, I think it can be the same. So generally speaking, who are um, people or groups of people which we should look for in order to spend more time with them like Jesus did, in order to develop relationship, in order to equip each other. Maybe don't talk only that I'm the equipper and he's the receiver, but to equip each other. Who are these groups in the church, generally speaking? New members. New members. Do you agree with this? Amen. New members. And this, this is very critical. I mean, if someone steps into the church, generally, he, I mean, he, he had a spe specific experience. He maybe had to, to make a lot of changes in his life. So there is really a strong motivation, a strong dedication. And also here it is important not to wait. Here time is not working for us because if someone is on fire, if someone is in Linz, and then he goes home back in his reality, daily life. Sometimes the fire gets slower. So it is important if new members are there to care, to develop relationship, to work. I, I believe 100% in this. New baptized members or new converts. Or members who came from other places and maybe they're new. Yes. Could you imagine other people or groups Young people, I agree again. Come, why young people? They are flexible. They have power. Huh? They are willing to, to go the extra mile. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe you should reflect on your specific situation in a, in a, in a deeper way. Where are in my church, in my youth group, this kind of people? Where? And this is for sure also an issue of prayer that, that God leads us in this, this is very important. New baptized, young people, and I would also add people who are in a crisis. People who are really suffering because someone died from their family, they have job problems, or whatever. People in a, in a situation of crisis are generally open and, and more receptive. For sure, I cannot, I mean, we cannot generalize this, but... Um, only to give you some ideas. Um, yeah. And, yep. Yeah, I mean, I believe, thank you so much for the question, I believe if we talk about equip, equipping and leadership, this is not an issue of... Uh, maybe some weeks or months. I mean, if I understand you right, I don't feel it's good if someone is in a real crisis to put him in a leadership position. Yes, I agree 100%. But I wanted to say, if someone is in a crisis, maybe until now he was, he was a spectator. It's a specific moment where he maybe become a disciple. 
and then it's the time to go to leadership. I mean, we have clear advice from the Bible and also spirit of prophecy not to put someone too soon in leadership position. And if I understand you right, this was not my point. But, yeah, I mean, we're talking about leadership, yes, but we're talking maybe first step discipleship. There is, maybe you read some of the books from Elder Barron, and he has one, one, one statement which, which I believe is also very true and very touching. He said, the professional spectator becomes the professional critic. So if someone is sitting only there and watching and saying this is not good and this went bad and this is... I mean, this, this sense of critique, we had about critique, I think, also in the morning session there was a discussion. If you are involved, if you are actively involved, if you are part, I believe you understand much more and you are much more patient with things and not so critic. So I believe what Elder Byrne is, is pointing out is completely right. The professional spectator becomes the professional critic. And if we are involved, give me a second, if we are involved in mission work, I mean, do you remember the situation? Maybe you got to know someone, friendship developed, maybe you were part of a Bible study group or you gave Bible studies or however, and then it's the first time you invite this lady or this man to the church. Did you have an experience like this? I will repeat. There is someone you get to know, you develop relationship, maybe Bible studies together or in a study group together, friendship develop, and then it's the first time you feel I should invite this lady, this man to the church. You remember this moment? What kind of thoughts did you have in your mind? Can we share a little bit? I believe here we feel clearly what is the meaning of not being a spectator. Can you share some thoughts? Did you have some thoughts? Yes. Yes? Yes? Can we maybe be more specific? What is the meaning of this? Generally. A warm welcome? Yes? What is the meaning of warm welcome? Oh! You're sitting on this chair? Oh, this is my chair. I mean, I'm sitting there since 10 years. I'm not kidding. This is church reality. Sometimes. Or you're sitting in the Sabbath school lesson. Woo! And then Sister X, Brother X is telling his things you know already. And if you... <laughs> you know this kind of feeling? I believe God is using us in these moments to become sensitive. Not to become a spectator but to be involved in ministry and to become sensitive. So th this, I believe, is the best. Uh, it's the best what, what, what can happen. <coughs> okay. Should we go on to team? Let me, let me have a check. We have to close up in half an hour. Yeah, I guess we should move on to team. Um, <coughs> so... It's always good to repeat. We said, empowering leader has a connection to the Holy Spirit. Empowering leader invests in relationship. An empowering leader selects a small group and an empowering leader is working with a team. What is the meaning of working with a team? Not to work alone, for sure. 
we said already, include the others in the decision-making process. Several people working towards one goal. There is again the importance of vision also. We will come at the next step on it. Yes? Are there challenges in team leadership? For example, help me, give me some challenges. Maybe we should deal with some challenges in team leadership. Personal conflicts. <laughs> Personal conflicts, yes. Yes. Also here, isn't it surprising to see the group of the disciples? Also here, I read this week, Ellen White was saying, by purpose, Jesus put John, who was very sensitive, very calm, together with the volcano hot Peter. So that means, maybe this is also part of, of the development, as was said also this morning, not always when we feel... Everything. Sometimes it's, yeah. And I was really touched by David Ashrick's message on Saturday night. I was watching via live stream. You remember? Yeah, in Acts, there was really, I mean, they were, how you call this in English, wrapping shoulders? I mean, in a very intensive way. Yes, that's partly also here. I had an experience as a young pastor. We have a good system. An older pastor works together with a younger pastor. That's, that's nice. It's not always easy. And I'm talking now as the younger pastor. I really had a feeling about this older pastor. I mean, he's a nice pastor, yes, but I would do it completely different. He did it. And I'm not talking about theological issues. We were really together. I mean, we had our principle and saying, yes, we want to go in this direction. Yes, but how? Was, we were 180 degrees. And it was not easy. I mean, I really felt the challenge of team. And I had four difficult years. I even once went to my president and told him, look, wouldn't it be possible to, to do only door-by-door -door work? I would be happy to do this. I'm talking about reality. And I was in the ministry already four or five years. Couldn't I do this approach? It would be much better. I mean, we're spending a lot of time discussing and we're not coming to a conclusion. Sometimes it's like this. He gave me a very wise suggestion to stay. And it is nice. If you see, it is not easy from our personalities to work together. But with the help of God, and with time, and with patience, to grow. I would not say at the end we were the best friends on the world. But I want to say I respect him as a colleague, and I believe he's a wonderful pastor. Still certain things we are doing differently, yes. But. So I believe this is, this is part. And I'm so happy. I guess in every principle we're always talking also about the challenges. It's not always easy. Okay, where are other challenges in team leadership? To work with a team, do you see other challenges? You involve uh, less ex experienced people in decision making, and maybe the group takes a direction that is the wrong one, and the leader recognizes this, and he has a better vision, but the group <laughs> decides other way. That's real life, isn't it? Could be easily happen. I mean, you have a team, 
and they are deciding differently than you, but you know maybe this, this is not good. What to do? At this point, what I'm the main leader. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe also here I would say, if they know you as a leader who is interested in their input, as a leader who generally says, let us make the decision process together, but you're coming to a point where you say, look, uh, and I believe if they got to know you in this way, and there is a trustful relationship, should be possible. I mean, sometimes we even can talk if, if we talk about personal things. You cannot openly talk. You should not openly talk. But you should have the possibility to say, I believe mm, this is, I don't think that's a good way. To say, okay, then we are not counting how many votes. It's a nice thing if we can work together on agreement. This is, I'm not telling something against church policy now. I'm only saying, if you have situations in, in your team, youth team, church, and you have five against six, I would recommend don't make the decision. Don't make the decision. Better leave time. That's sometimes very challenging. So to, to work, I mean, to come to a conclusion where everyone, that's not easy, but if the team, I guess, if there is a strong, trustful relationship, it is possible. So this is also a challenge, and for sure we don't have all the answers. Do you see other ch challenges in teamwork? Yep. You mean as a whole team? Yes, but uh, I mean, at least a team helps you that it's not only you as a person, it's already a team. So I guess this helps that we don't enter in this uh, problem. But still, it can be. For sure, we can risk. So what could we do? I mean, it's always also as a team wise to seek for counsel from outside. Yes. But you see, basically, I believe if we are saying team is biblical, not uh, a single person, then we are already also in the challenge, and I would put this very strongly, because I believe this is a reality in leadership, willing to lose power. Am I willing to lose power? And here, I guess, we are coming back to principle number one. Only if Jesus is changing me in a process, maybe I'm not always happy, maybe not always joyful, but generally, hopefully, willing to say it's not important what I feel, what I want, but it's important to build up God's work. This has to do again with this humble spirit. But I want to stress this, willingness to lose power. I want to give you an example which really comes from a practical experience. And maybe Benny... I don't know, maybe he can still remember this. We had a Youth and Mission Congress, similar like this one here in Mannheim. The location was slightly different. If you were there, you know it's in a school and it's not... Yeah, it's a little bit smaller, darker. And we had a very good relationship with... Ah, how you call this housemeister? With the keeper of the whole building. 
janitor. But he's not only cleaning. I mean, he has really the responsibility for heating system and so on. Anyway, you know, the director of the janitors. However, I'm talking about keys. You know, sometimes to have the key means to have the power. And we had there a room, and I'm talking really openly about my limited willingness to share power. I'm not talking about other people, I'm talking about me. We had there a room where the leadership team was meeting. And this was an important key for this room, because with this key you could open, I don't know how many doors, and it was very expensive. And I cannot remember exactly, I believe he had eight keys for this door. There's already a lot. And then I was reflecting, okay, he gave me the eight keys I had to sign. He told me, Mr. Berger, I want to have all the eight keys. So this was very important, to build up a trustful relationship. If I would bring only seven keys back, next time to have the Youth and Mission Congress there would be much more difficult. So it was very important for me to bring him back the eight keys. Then I was sitting down saying, okay, who needs a key? He, she has a responsibility, he very important responsibility. I found eight people who should have a key, but I was not included in the list. <laughs> ah, Jolt knows it maybe also. And then I was touching this question. Really? Am I willing to lose power? And something more, am I willing to risk, or you could also put it to trust? I'm not talking to divide these keys to some people. I'm talking about dedicated leaders, youth leaders. They were really working hard. No question about it. But still, and I have to confess to you, maybe you don't have these problems. I have them. I was wrestling with myself because I wanted to bring my name into the list. But always I came to the point, actually, I would need more keys because I had more than eight people who should have it. And then I made this risk. And I gave all the eight keys to the others. And I, as the youth leader, had not, no key to this important room. And I remember, it was in one morning time, we had a clear timetable, a schedule. I don't remember when, 7 o'clock. We should open the door because we should have a meeting. And I had my teeth brush and so on inside the room. And I was waiting there at the door. And already 7 o'clock was... And no one was there. And the room was locked. And I said to myself, I made a wrong decision. And I was a little bit angry. For a moment, a short moment, I felt so. It was a good decision. I had to wait only once. And it would be also okay to wait maybe twice. No problem. But my feeling was really, it's not so easy to, to be willing to lose power. And power is sometimes keys. Power is other things, decision power, whatever. But if you, and I believe this is real delegation, if you don't only delegate work, but you delegate also the power to make decisions, then people are part of it, and they are much more motivated. And I guess this helps in this process, Ephesians 4, to equip them. And for sure, we, will, we need also to, to go the risk, or to have the risk, that they will not always do it in a responsible way. Sometimes when I look back in my life, how often the Lord was patient with me and I not did it in a good way, and still 
I can serve him. So I believe in team leadership, this part, this willingness to, ch to share power or to, to, yeah, to, to make real um, delegation, to, to delegate not only the work but also the power is, is very important. And this is, I believe, also the way of this kind of equipping leadership. This means still be close to someone, but be far enough that he feels also he can make his experience, and sometimes he can make also his faults. And it's not the end. It's a process. We could talk about other things in team leadership, I guess. Maybe I would go on. Yeah, I mean, what we have clearly from the spirit of prophecy is also, you can read this also in the church manual, we should not make decision only by one person. That's not a biblical way. And I mean, and that's clear from our basic understanding. Everyone is limited. And so this is an important principle. Okay, so we had connected to the Holy Spirit, implementation of relationship, selection of a small group, Team leadership. And now we're coming back to the issues of vision and time. What was the impression? Time. Time management. Or no, you put it. Schedule. A timetable. Okay, let, let, us, let us discuss this a little bit. I believe this is correct. Yes, for sure. Vision, empowering leadership needs to have vision and also timetable or goal setting. So maybe we could start or we could end up. How much time do we have still? We have 15 minutes. What is the vision? Could you help me a little bit to understand? What, what is the vision? <coughs> what is the vision? Could we help each other a little bit to understand what is, what is the vision? Vision of the future? Yep. Sorry? A view for the future. Yes, a view for the future. So we're talking about which is in the future. Where do you want to be in some time? Where you want to be? Yeah. A goal to work to. A goal to work to? It's the direction you want to take expressed in few words. You see what is happening? Team leadership. Isn't it nice to hear different perspectives and to put it together? The outcome is much better. Something that inspires you. Okay. So let's, let's put this together. Huh? What we said about vision, it is linked to the future. It is where you want to be in the future. It is inspiring. It should be put in small words. I mean, in a few words. Thank you. few words. That's nicely, huh? Something else to add? And, and the yeah, it gives the direction clearly where we want to go. Perfect. And setting goals. Maybe if we have the direction, the bigger picture, we can say, okay, then we need goals. Zack, zack, zack. Yeah, very good. Do you have an example of a vision? All Austria become believers. 
Okay, let us, let us put together what we said so far. Is this something which is linked to the future? Yes. Can I hear you? Yes. Is this something which gives us a clear direction? Yes. yes. Is this, in few words, said? Yes. What we had? Sorry? Is, is this inspiring? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, maybe we should not enter in this discussion. Okay, anyway, but for sure, if we only have a vision statement, which is nice, which is challenging, which is for the future, which is in few words, we need to work also on the way how to reach this. If not, it is only a dream. A dream, or isn't it? So I guess this is a very important point. So we need to work also on this, how to get there. And I believe this has to do with goal setting. Yeah, another vision, the everlasting gospel to the whole world. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And we have also, as Adventist youth, we have a vision. I don't know if you know this. To preach the three angels' messages in this generation, that should be the statement. Did you hear this? To preach the three angels' messages to the world in this generation. That's the old new vision, huh? Yeah. That's yeah. Re reintroduce the word of God to the schools and to the young people. Okay. Another example. Okay, so we know a little bit. I mean, also as church, we have vision statements. Yes, that's correct. I would also add some nice thoughts. I guess also helpful thoughts. Let me see a little bit. Where did I put this? A clear and challenging picture of the future of the ministry as its leadership believe it can and must be. I will repeat this. I feel that's, that's nicely put. Vision is a clear and challenging. I mean, for sure, the vision you pointed out, Austria, uh, all believers in Austria, yeah, that's, that's challenging. <laughs> Okay, a clear and challenging picture of the future of the ministry as it leaderships, leadership believes it can and must be. There's an, there's, there are two important aspects for me here. It can, is it a dream or is it also realistic? I mean, we're always talking a vision of, a godly vision, not linked to our possibilities, and must be. Or someone else puts it very shortly. Vision means beginning with the end in mind. Beginning with the end in mind. And let me, let me quote a last one. This is not a real quotation, but it's put, maybe you know this from the German. I translated this back. If you want to build a ship, do not tell the men to bring all the needed material do not invite the men to board meetings in order to plan the project. Also do not calculate the expenses in order to budget everything, but inspire the men and women to the longing for the White Sea. 
to the white, the white sea. To the beauty of the sea, I mean to go, to go outside. Vision. How can we come to a vision then? Did you have experience in vision developing? And, and I personally believe it is important to go first the other steps. You see, we talked about five principles and I can add two more. I believe also an empowering leader motivates for growth and an empowering leader enables growth. This has to do with teaching. I don't know where you are. I, I, for me, this is a concept in these seven steps. You know where you are. It is important that you go the next step, I believe. Maybe this means to develop stronger relationships. Maybe this means to concentrate, to focus on some specific people, which God helps us to find out. Maybe this, this is, is the moment to, to, to develop more a team leadership approach. I don't know. Maybe it is to work on a vision. But my question is, some of you have some experiences with this. We, we could share for a moment, still some minutes we have. If not, I will give you a personal uh, experience. I'm coming back to the Youth in Mission Congress. Here I felt people came together, and I would say not by organization, but by God's guidance also. Some attended the GYC meetings in the US. Some felt uncomfortable. Some wanted to realize something for God in the youth department. We came together, and in the process of prayer and talking and reflection and Bible study, this vision to have some kind of platform for with strong biblical preaching with mission outreach developed step by step and this was also a process that this was prepared in words it was important because it helped us i, be, I believe to to keep on track to know this is this is the vision and it helps us also to be united in this but for sure, your question is very important, that vision is not remaining a dream. How can we implement it? How can we realize it? And here I would say, for sure, goal setting and a kind of timetable is an, a very important next step. We need to say, if we want to realize something like this, okay, where are the facilities? Who are the speakers? What kind of program we will have? And, 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 and. This has to do with goal. And in goal setting, there is one small word which helps. Smart. You know this? You know this, huh? Specific. I mean, it has to be specific, measurable, not always easy to have it measurable. Accepted. It should not be only your goal, but a team approach goal. Accepted. Realistic. Coming back to the vision of my dear friend, already from a biblical perspective, I had question. I believe not every people in Austria will, unfortunately will, but time fixed, for sure. I mean, you have to say also, we have a certain time, we have a workshop time, and in two minutes by now, the workshop time is over. So it's time fixed, time limited. And I believe if vision and goal setting, one of the most important parts in my experience, in the practice, practice is if you don't want that your vision statement is becoming a nicely statement somewhere in your desk or your goals are nice things which you have in some of your folders on a regular basis on a regular basis you have to 
repeat, to work on it, to modify. This has to be, I don't know, every six months at least, you should do it. You need to do it. If not, it will become theory. Okay. Let me give you only one, 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 uh, one suggestion to uh, the question here of enables growth. I mean, this has to do, from my perspective, with training. And um, there is something very simple. Maybe you heard this also before. However, I believe this is, this is a very good way in the church setting. How we can uh, empower also others by... Um, Enabling growth. Learning by doing is a very old um, approach, I believe, coming not only from the pathfinders, but also, and we could bring this shortly in this way. Basic steps. I do it. You watch. We do it together. You do it. I watch. You do it by yourself. And maybe teach others. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2, biblical principles. Jesus implemented this. Jesus spent in his ministry a huge amount of time with a very small group, build up relationship, trust. He selected. I believe maybe it's not too much our part to select, but sometimes maybe yes, but to understand God is guiding us. God is putting us in a certain place. He's bringing people together. To be willing to work in a team, to share power, to have a humble approach, and also for sure to understand what is God's vision for us and to, to apply this really also in goal. My experience in the church and maybe also in our personal lives, we don't like this too much. Because if we do this really, then we are a part of it and we have also a responsibility. I remember in one really... Uh, mission-oriented church in, in Germany where I had the privilege to held a campaign. We were sitting in the church board and the discussion was, should we set a clear goal how many baptisms should be the goal of this bigger, longer event? And it was a long discussion. It was challenging. At the end, the church decided, yes, we will. And it was, was a very special experience. It was a blessed experience. So I believe it is good. But we should also reflect on the on the principles we set, remember, smart. And um, enables growth, teaching, and maybe let me conclude with uh, motivation. How can I be a leader who motivates others? And we said already something. We said example, we said, including in decision-making process, team leadership. Have some other ideas to conclude? How can I be a leader who motivates others? Yeah, I mean, you can feel as if you are excited about your vision and you feel this is really what God wants to this. Or, I mean, if you're really a passionate... Yes, someone said this, huh? Yes, that's correct. If, if there's a passion, you can feel it. You can see it. Yes. 
Maybe caring, yes, and we discussed this already, care. I mean, being caring for me often means also be willing to go the extra mile. This often makes the difference, and that's very important. Yes? Sharing, losing power, sharing power, yes. Let me conclude with one last thought. And uh, afterwards, if you like, I have at least 30 copies of the main <coughs> points here. I have also some ceremony. This is for free. This booklet costs 12 euros. If you like to have material, you can come afterwards. But let me share you an, a last point, encouraging others to challenge people. Challenge. What is the meaning of this? Maybe you heard about Bogenhofen Seminary. I had a wonderful experience with the Plant Academy last year. Seven, most of them younger people, dedicated one year for training, practical training, and for evangelism. And I remember exactly one of the biggest challenges where, when for the first time we were in Switzerland in Basel, and four of the students together with me we were scheduled for the ceremony. It was a youth event in Switzerland. I guess 350 people were there. And um, they were really, some of them nervous, some of them uncomfortable. It was really a challenge for them. This happened after six months of training. I believe it was one really of the key experiences for them. And when I look back, what I learned from it, for the next year in the Plant Academy, maybe you heard about the Plant Academy, there's also an information desk, you can get information. <coughs> I would schedule it earlier. I had already a hard time to convince them after six months. But the experience showed me we should do it earlier. If we feel we need him, then we need him. And then we, we were open for training. And I guess this is the best op uh, opportunity to grow. Last week, I received an email. It was from the candidate. With all my positive thinking, I was not so sure if he would finish the year. His motivation was... He wrote me an email saying... Chris, for the first time I preached in a church and I motivated to go on. It was a small beginning. To equip others, I believe, often needs time and patience and it's a process. But it's worse to do. It's worse to have this vision not to do it by myself, but from the beginning think, who could be willing? Who could be the one who could take over? In my limited experience, I have to say, the Lord needs always, again, change my mindset. If not, I'm again, oh, I do it, I do it good, I do it fast, I do it. It takes more time. It takes time to play soccer together, to spend quality time together. It takes time, but it is worse to do. Shall we conclude with a word of prayer? I would like to invite you to stand Our good Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much because you are our teacher and you are the best leader in the history of this world. Lord, there are still so many treasures in your storehouse. 
we can still learn so much from you, Jesus, and from the other biblical leaders. And this afternoon we touched a little bit what does it mean to equip. And when we look down the biblical root of the word, which is there in Ephesians 4, we understand that the meaning is to put something, to bring something back to the place where originally it should be. Lord, if you have called us to be part in this process, in this ministry, we only can thank you because you trust us. You are patient with us. I want to ask you a specific blessing for everyone who is here. You know where she or where he is. Maybe in which of the seven steps. If it is important to strengthen our personal relationship with you because we are working independent. If it is important to develop really trustful relationship to team members, to have really this framework. If it is important to concentrate on people, you will show us on, on a small group to implement team leadership, Lord, to share also power, to be willing to interact with others who are different, who, be, who think different. If it is the motivation, if it is vision or goals or the enabling of growth by teaching, Lord, you know where we are. I want to ask wisdom for all of us. And I want to thank you that you will use us as your leaders. Please encourage everyone and equip us in our leadership. We want to thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. This message was recorded through a partnership between GYC and GYC Europe at the 2012 conference in Linz, Austria. GYC are supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.